Welcome to episode four of season two for the All Time Podcast. We're covering the decade. We're recapping the decade. This year we got 2013 for you. We're already in episode four. We're already in episode four. Jesus. We're actually already in episode 10 in real life. Uh, Episode four is going to be all about 2013. Before we kick that off, um, the thing that kind of inspired this is how at the end of the decades, you get a lot of uh, music blogs, websites, uh, music press doing their best albums of the decade. We got another one this week from Consequences Sound. I didn't check it out. I heard, but I didn't check it out. For those of you who don't know Consequences Sound, they're another Chicago-based music site. They're kind of they they also do film and other things, whereas like Pitchfork's more specific to music. They only went for a hundred on their list, and it seems pretty. It's crazy how in the Pitchfork two hundred you're missing a lot of stuff, but in the Consequences Sound one hundred, I feel like it covers a bit more of everything people liked. Was Taylor Swift in it? She, I think she was, but not red. And. Not at a ridiculous position either. Was there some good things at the right position, or was there was it just... some there was some right things? There was a lot of things I agree with. Um, things that are actually going to come up in this episode that I'll bring up when it's time. But um, okay, there was a weird thing in that Frank Ocean's Blonde, I believe, was number sixty-seven on their list. Whereas okay, Pitchfork had it at one. Fair. It's low, if you ask me. I still think it's a top ten album, but it was Whoa. cool to see them okay. put Channel Orange. In a better spot. Yes. Uh, I forget what their number one was. I definitely agree with Channel Orange. Being the being oh, the yes, better of the two. For sure. For me. That's yeah. for me. I just love it. I love it the musically and sonically. It's amazing. Mm. But there's a few things I really liked about their list that uh, wasn't like I, I they paid respect to Plastic Beach that we spoke about in our first oh, in our first episode. So thought that was cool because we remembered it we remembered to talk about that album and that the rollout of that album but they didn't like other sites seem to have forgotten about it it was cool to see that there well it was earlier in the decade so like sometimes people forget there's a lot going for sure, on for sure but like big boy Luscious left foot was there oh that's a big deal Fitchfork completely forgot about that. Yeah, dude. they left that one off. Yeah. But there's also some questionable moves that I felt Consequence Sound did having the latest Janelle Monet Dirty Computer on it. Okay. Over the first stuff. So, like, this is still some weird... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely check it out because I like looking at lists and seeing where they put things. What was yeah. number one or two or three? Number one was... Well, let me just give you the top three. So, number three was Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Kanye. Number two was Pimp a Butterfly from Kendrick Lamar. I shouldn't have to tell people that. Number one was Beyonce's Lemonade. Ooh. Look. Ooh. The list is much better. As I said, there's some things that are still in the weird places. I find Beyonce's Lemonade a tad overrated. Oh, it's, musically, I think it's it, it's really good. Should it be a number one? Well, we're going to talk about... About her maybe this episode so let's get to the episode yeah let's, let's get the to the episode
first great album. Uh, can you say first great album? I could say first great album of 2013. I would not say first great album, but the way we do it is when there's one that appeals to one of us, it's basically first come, first serve. If you find uh, something up, up there in January that's really good and I don't agree, well, you get first dibs. Okay, I like this. So, first great album, 2013. Very highly anticipated because it was actually being called a album. So, ASAP Rocky put out his Live Love ASAP last year, two years ago, 2011, right? Yes, yes 2011. Yeah, yeah, right. So, 2011. So, he fed off that for a year and a half, two years, and released a single late 2012, uh, Goldie, mm-hmm. which appeared on this album. And then... He put out a release date for his his highly anticipated album, Long Live ASAP, but it got leaked. Yeah. And I remember when it got leaked because you had told me it got leaked. Yeah, I was listening to it late 2012. Yeah. Late 2012, it got leaked. You were holding out. You wanted to I was holding out. I was like, fuck this. I want, it. I want the release date to come out and I want to listen to it. It was getting mixed reviews. People were talking about it on the internet. The track list had come out. The track list I thought was really good because there was the regular version and then the deluxe version. And your feelings about it were meh. I think you even had said he's a bit tad overrated. And I do think uh, he's a tad overrated still. At the time, I liked the album, though. I did like the album. But we'll talk about what I thought at the time. Yeah. Your... So album comes out. I hold out. I finally listened to it. This is where the time where I had no car, so I was taking the bus and metro where I needed to go, so I could I was able to sit with albums, and I really enjoyed it because I thought that he he kind of got away from what he did on his mixtape with the southern sound. He brought it into this for sure, but not as much. He was rapping on this. Yeah. I found he really got into his. I I need to make myself known. I need for people to understand where I'm from and understand my story and be able to understand that there's something good about me. Mm-hmm. Continue with, with what I'm doing. Uh, the album fucking kicked off perfectly. He was rapping. Goldie was on it, so it flowed. Like I found that the album was flowing well. He was he was it was kind of hip hop, but he brought like he started that's when you got that weird ASAP Rocky in some songs. He had his poppy songs on there with fucking problems with, which I found was cool because he had two chains, Kendrick Lamar and Drake. Mm-hmm. That kind of was a second single for the for the album, and I found it was a really really great song. Well, it's also three artists we spoke about up to now that were getting a lot of hype, making a lot of noise. So they were kind of running rap. That All... shot the 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 the, the single way yeah, up. Yeah, and then he dropped. One Train. Well, it didn't drop. It was on the album, but then One Train stood out. And when you look at One Train... Complete opposite of fucking Complete problems. opposite. Like, this was like old school, boom bap. Like, fucking, finally a song with all these newer guys on there. Action Bronson. Who else was on it? Earl? There no. Was, you had Bronson, you had Joey Badass, you had Yellow Wolf, you had Danny Brown, Big Crit... And I'm missing Kendrick one. again. Kendrick was on that as well. And 
this brought back the fucking those that when there's like different artists that get onto one song and just kill it. Yeah. I think they're called Posse Cuts. Mm. Yes. And this was just fucking phenomenal because it showed everybody's different. It was lyric- really like a showcase. Yeah. Different. Like these are the guys up next. This is their lyrical ability. And they all sounded different. They all were able to show what they do best it was on this one track. It yeah. was fucking incredible. And to me, it sounded New York. It sounded like a, he brought back like this New York sound. And like guys like Joey Badass where their career was starting. Mm. It made him be like, oh, I need to listen to Joey Badass. This guy can fucking... This guy has bars. What I love so much about that track is... You got the artists you got on it, but anyone at that time could have been on that track. Like of the people that weren't on it, that were up and coming at the time, like Q wasn't on it, Earl wasn't on it. No, none of the guys that had rapping, like there were a lot of people that had good rap abilities that were left out. There could have easily been 20 guys on that track. Oh, fuck. And I'm surprised that he didn't put any of... Right, Ferg or anyone, is that what you're like, saying? Like, yeah, there was, like, no ASAP members. There was no 12 there was no, mm. like, none of these guys were on it. It was basically different guys. And when you look at a track list, besides the bonus song with ASAP Ferg, nobody from the ASAP camp is on this album. Yeah, it was really, like, a major label release, debut that... He worked with people that were established. They're up and coming like him. Yeah, Q is on the album. Uh, Gunplay is on the album. Rihanna is on the album. Really? Uh, on fashion. Uh, is it Rihanna? No, it's Santi Gold. Well, he did open for Rihanna on her tour yeah. that year. And she was in his again. music video for right. Fashion Killer. But like songs like Level, uh, Pain, uh, Wild for the Night. Fuck. Wild for the Night Skrillex, was Skrillex. Right? That was a well done song. Uh, Phoenix and I think he really did a good job with this I so think- this is where now we could jump right away to the next thing because it was a big year for ASAP Trap Lord ASAP Ferg comes out which is way better than this and that's yeah that's exactly why in my opinion I did find the Ferg album right at release better than this so it kind of just stuck with me as the better of the two. He he stuck with me as the better of the two, but never gets the rep he deserves. No, never. And ASAP Fur came out with this, and I heard him with Rocky on some songs. There was the Work single that came out, and he had a big buzz, but was way different than ASAP Rocky. Way different. So I was like, what am I going to get out of this? And as soon as I put it on, I was like, oh, fuck. Started off with Let It Go, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Shabba was the first single. Great single. Great single. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, featuring Bone Thugs and Harmony. What, mm. What's going to come out of this? Because already ASAP Rocky brought, the, he brought it back to the way Bone Thugs were rapping. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, this is fucking cool. This is really cool. And as you go on throughout the album with Hood Pope, uh, Dump Dump, The Work Remix, which was fucking... Great. <laughs> another, another posse, posse cut. cut yeah. Another posse cut. The posse cuts are coming back. This sounds fucking amazing. Murder Something. Then Fuck Out My Face featuring Be Real and Onyx. And at the end of the album, I sat back and I'm like, this sounds familiar. I don't know what it is, but this sounds familiar. 
And I think to this day, I still think it sounds like a Busta Rhymes mixed with a DMX album. I could see that, yeah. We said we said there was signs of Busta Rhymes when we heard it the first time. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I think it just holds up as a better album between their like between the two debut albums. I also think that it flew under the radar and is probably one of the more underrated. I wouldn't put it in my top 100 of the decade or put it on a list, but it's a vastly underrated hip hop album, if you ask me. Yep, and Rocky holds the the throne, so people don't. I find don't pay attention as much to Ferg as they do as Rocky because of the way Rocky is and the way he came out and just like being the forefront of it. But Ferg is a better rapper. Now I'm going to ask you this because I don't think for the rest of the decade they'll come up again necessarily. Uh, no, I don't think so. Was this after these two albums come out? I would say that we've heard the best music from Rocky and the best music from Ferg. Do you agree? Most definitely. So this was all hype for one album, one good album. I like Ferg's albums. The are, second album is all right. It's all right. It's a grower. Yeah. He has some really good songs on it. It's all right. Max a 7 on 10. Mm. Rocky's album after was... A hit or miss, depending on the tracks you're listening to. Some people said it was better than every anything he's done. Some people say that's his best album. No, I don't find. I What's don't it find. called? Uh, it's Allah at long. Long last day stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, I find testing is better than really? that one. I I really enjoyed. I did not like that album at, at all. Huh? Mm-hmm. Musically, I thought it was good, but. No, it doesn't hold up to their first projects. Aside from uh, that in hip-hop, there wasn't much else. It was a big pop year, 2013. (laughs) Uh, January of 2013, a long-awaited comeback by a certain pop star finally occurs. Big comeback. Big. It was January 15, 2013, when we first heard... Suit and Tie, Justin Timberlake featuring Jay-Z. Big comeback. And people were waiting for this because Future Sex Love Sounds was uh, back in like a long time before this. About more than five years. It was easily more than five years. It was 2006. Jesus. So we're talking like uh, seven, eight years, give or take. What an album. Um, Fuck. By March, the album comes out. We don't have to talk too much about what happens between the launch of the single and the launch of no. the album, but we get a great album from a great pop star everyone was waiting for. Um, the first single was Sweet and Thai featuring, featuring Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Yeah. Which wasn't, it was unexpected for that to happen. It was. Mirrors actually came out before the album did too. Yeah, as a second single. Yeah. That was more of the very pop tune, really. probably the poppiest song on the album. Might be top three songs for me on that album, but anyways. But yeah, Sue and Tie featuring Jay-Z, my least favorite song on the album. Really? My least favorite song on the album. I like it, it's good, but I find it's kind of like missing something. Like it's a good, it's a good single. It's a good song to start the album off after Push Your Love Girl. 
that kind of sets you up for the what comes next. But like, I don't think it's a bad song by any means. But push a love girl to start off. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that was good. Are we doing the? Are we going through the songs or her? You wanna do it? Push a love girl, phenomenal, amazing way to start an album. Sweet and tie the single. Don't, don't hold, hold the wall. Yeah. Is classic Timberlake, Timberland. I'm fucking. This is all Timberland, no? Yep. That's why it's so successful. That's why it sounds so well done. Strawberry Bubblegum, not my favorite song. No, not my favorite song either. Uh, then you get Tunnel Vision, which is pretty good. That was the third single off the album. Mm, amazing. And then my favorite track, Spaceship Coop. That's your favorite song. Yeah, I think that one's a really well-arranged song. Uh, it's not probably not everyone's favorite off the album. That's the one that stuck with me. It's a it's it's a good song. It's a really good song. That girl. Was that the song? I, no, that's not the song I danced to at my wedding, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, good that I remember. Let the groove get in. Build up for eight minutes? Yep. Seven minutes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Mirrors. Blue ocean floor. Good closer. Yeah. Overall, it's a good pop album. Yeah. A good comeback album. This is an album I'm surprised I don't see in the in the end of the decade list. This That's weird, though. Well... Because it's weird. Well, he goes on tour with Jay-Z in the summer. So Legends of the Summer Tour. That was a stadium tour. That was baseball stadiums. Massive tour with Jay-Z. And um, Jay-Z was also touring Magna Carta for this. Yeah. Which was not a very successful thing for him. Not a very good album. And his least best albums. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, for yeah. sure. And um, after that... Justin Timberlake says we made them wait long enough. We're going to put out the 2020 experience part two. Horrible decision. Probably the worst decision somebody who waited seven years to release an album could make. Because, after putting out another because great album. The album was great. 2020 Vision, the regular. It was fucking great. I used to, I'm, I'm going to be straight honest with you. I used to listen to the album every day. I'm surprised you liked that album. Every day I used to listen to that album. There was not one day that went by that I listened to that album. Did not listen to that album. Every day. Why that over so much more? Because it just... It was just so different and just... First off, Future Sucks Left songs... I mm. was obsessed with because it just yeah, it was great. I was obsessed with it because I was listening to something and I was just like this guy makes fucking good music and it's just like when you listen to it you're just like the fuck the music flows so well like the music behind it Mixed with his voice. It, they were very conceptual and very... The, the sound was very... It, it was a very always a very cohesive thing that he would put together. So well done. And then this, and so, it just yeah, sounds... So 2020 was top. Fresh. 2020 experience was really good. He goes on tour in the summer. Legends fresh. of the Summer. From July to August 2013. One month tour. Then Mr. Timberlake gets a little greedy in September and drops 2020 Experience Part 2. Fucks up the whole comeback with his garbage. This was... Like, if, you, if you're going to put out an album, it needs to be as good or if not 
better. This to me is like the equivalent of a smooth flight that crashes on landing. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best. Fuck you. You couldn't put it in a better way. I was more excited because I was like, if this fucking guy can come out with something else and I would, I'm just going to be like, wow, this guy has the whole year in the palm of his hand. Yeah. But he fucked up. So the idea was that he had more music recorded and ready to drop, but clearly he took all the best work and put it on one album because yeah. it's not even to say like the part two had some good tracks. For the most part, it's forgettable. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's really like he made a great album and then took the extras and just shoved them on a disc. Yeah, like a B-Sides. Really? So he could have just done like a massive deluxe edition with a bunch of outtakes and people would be like, oh yeah, but the, but it's the outtakes. Like the album is clearly the best mm -hmm. stuff. Man, this is trash. Take there Back the Night. Oof. What a stupid song. And he played that. The subject matter and everything. He played that song at when they gave him the award for some fucking award for uh, one of those MTV or video music award things. Mm. And he played the song and I liked it, but it just didn't seem to fit with the rest of the trash on the album. Yeah, I know it's garbage. So that was a good uh, comeback that was completely destroyed. Like putting two albums out in the same year. They need to be good. Like the other person I know that did this was DMX and they both sounded great, but this fucking... the same thing though. <laughs> no, but like DMX put out two albums and they were both good in the same year. Mm -hmm. But this guy put out one great, amazing album and a shit album. Yeah, real garbage. And we saw him live for this for that tour, huh? That he was the tour after the second one when he did a proper tour on his own with the stage moving well luckily the tour was still good oh it was great it was the shows were fantastic but and better than the ones with jay-z because i saw that and that was garbage really that was trash how come well you're in a baseball stadium so it's full of echo it's Oof. uh it's yeah it's it, it didn't seem well rehearsed it didn't seem like it's just it, it just didn't seem like a good idea yeah to and, begin you, with, and you know what they me. were trying to do right what watch the throne too oh yeah yeah yeah, they, yeah in a way that, it's true yeah they did not, not watch the throne two album but like had I, the idea of the two, I, yeah yeah the yeah two, the huge fucking show that's when that was starting after the watch the throne the tours became this massive thing for everyone yeah and no no it was a bullshit tour but live he was he was great on and his own he was good he didn't play a lot of the 2020 part two so I was I was really happy. It was cool. It was good. It was it was it was fun time. We were up in the fucking in the dirt, but yeah. uh, but there was still enough of a show to see. Oh, he's great, and man, I really loved that album. Another comeback in 2013 uh, on the pop side, but also more on the electronic side. I'd say big comeback. People were waiting for this. This was another long wait in between studio albums. It was about eight years. They had a live album and they had a greatest hits compilation and they had two soundtracks for the movie Tron. Two soundtracks for the same movie? Well, there was a soundtrack and then there was a remix soundtrack. I guess. And then we get to 2013. Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. Uh, Who are they working with? 
They're working with plenty of people. Julian Casablanca's from The Strokes. They're working with uh, Nile Rogers. They're working with... Pharrell Williams. There you go. They're working with... Who worked with Clips. Who worked with Clips. Chili Gonzalez, Panda Bear from Animal Collective, Georgia Marauder, Synthia, Electronics and Legend. Can I just say it right away? Yeah. Fucking overrated? Oh, yes. This album is is something that people decided before it came out that it was going to be great. It's an album that no matter how much I listen to, I don't like it as much as people say they like it or it's, as much as I should like it. It sounds like nothing like their older stuff. No, it's very polished and very vintage, retro sounding and it's cool. It's well done and it's a, not a bad album, but it won. Huh? It's very overrated. One best album at the Grammys. Really? Yeah. Fuck, okay. Well, we got to talk about Get Lucky. Good song. <laughs> it pretty much ran the year. Yeah, fucking, we used to hear that song. How many times a day? At oh, the shop? At the shop. At least, I want to say at least 10 times yeah, a day. A day. It was everywhere. Commercials. Fucking... It was huge. It was a huge It was a huge comeback. And Daft Punk always do that when they come back around or when they put something out. They always have that one massive hit that just takes over. But it's fun to see that, like, it kept leading the year. The songs, the song was everywhere. I find nowadays songs come out and it... They, On to the next. It's crazy. Like It's not... A, it doesn't happen as often. And the ones that do come out rarely come out from, like, critically acclaimed... Mm-hmm. artists even if i don't like it their claim was definitely there like for if you want to look at the general picture of it good music was being played on the radio regularly yeah now rogers of course having worked with them was uh he was a guitar player in a band called chic and he wrote let's dance for bowie so good musicians coming back around i mean he's always kind of been there but in the mainstream like this it's nice but they went to work with different people on this album which was cool yeah and they and they steered away from the Daft Punk way Daft Punk way clubs uh, all that stuff so I, I thought it was cool what they did but they still wore their masks yeah and if you are still wondering who is underneath the mask you don't know Daft Punk well enough because I have no the fucking day, I- there were no masks <laughs> So there's no secret to who these two nobodies are. I have no idea who they are. You've seen them? Of course. I don't know who they, how they look. They're not. They're they're two French guys. Really? Of course. They didn't used to hide. So if you think Daft Punk have always been behind masks, I'm not saying I'm not calling you out on this, but people that like Daft Punk, this is this is not an all-time thing. Really? Yep. You gotta show me how they look. I'll pull it up for you. I remember people were saying like, oh, imagine if it's really these guys behind the mask. I forget what people were saying, but it's just two guys. Okay, they look like... That's amazing. They look like two guys that would be in the trans... trans what's that movie? Transporting? Transpotting? Trainspotting. Trainspotting movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Good for them. That's amazing. At the end of the month... An English electronic duo released their debut album, though, 
for uh, in 2013. Disclosure, subtle, so, same concept, electronic music, lots of guests. That's what the two the two kids on the cover. That's what the two kids, yeah. And they are pretty much. Um, all their singles are featuring people that are about to take off. So amongst those, you get Sam Smith. You get Aluna George, who was very visible at the time, a bit everywhere. Eliza Doolittle, jazz musician. Jamie Woon, electronic. Um, I want to say a bit, a bit kind of like a James Blake that, was, that had a good album in the decade, but didn't really follow up with anything particularly good jesse ware great pop star and london grammar who were like one of those yeah they were popular for they had their little window of uh, popularity but that destroyer album i remember that work fucking selling like crazy people were coming in buying it it would go it would fly off the shelves we'd be sold out come back in sold out come back in sold out it was a it was it was big that year it was it was massive um electronic music Pop music was pretty much at a at, well, not a, I wouldn't say at a peak. It's always at a peak. It's pop music, but there was good. There was good pop music in 2013. A yeah. lot, a lot of really good pop music. Um, we have a lot to cover. Let's take a break. Yeah, we're back with the second half of the 2013 episode. Um, jumping back into it we got a lot to cover still we have i don't want to say just yet we'll ask each other at the end of the discussion but there's a big album by kanye that drops jesus summer 2013 not jesus jesus uh new slaves was the lead single with the with the screenings on the buildings yes there was the screenings of the buildings. That's cool. I thought it was a good idea where he you would have to go to a building wherever he told you it would be and he projected his face with the music video. For New Slaves. Great uh, track. Fantastic Kanye song. A fantastic Kanye song, yes. I think this is when it started to get out of hand though. Only now you think it starts getting out of hand? Yeah, I think it started off with Jesus because that's when he was starting to feel full of himself more. Now he could do whatever he wants. After the throne, he does whatever he wants. It's like, it's my, it's me or fucking nothing. I mm-hmm. am the king. This is when he started with the big rants. Don't forget. It's now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's now with the rants because we saw him for this tour. For the, yeah, yeah. But he was, ra- oh yeah, it is when he starts with the ranting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's trying to talk for like 45 minutes at a show. and Well, he had done that before. Not as b- much. Not as much as this. This was nuts. This yeah, was this- like fucking seminar shit. This is when he started getting out of hand. And we saw a full-on 30-minute rant. But before we get into that. Killed he- the fucking mood. Jesus. Yeah. Really different sounding album than what he did up to now every time he puts something out it's different right yeah D- yeah definitely. starts off with that on-site Daft Punk produced that Savage on-site is start. fucking great to start off it was really well done then we're going into Black Skinhead track 2 yeah which was another great track which I'm also going to say is uh, one of people's people's favorite Kanye track 
I don't like this track. Black Skinhead? Nah. It's good. It's all right. I just find he has no lyrical ability in that song. Oh, no, at all. Like, the music is great, mm-hmm. but he has absolutely no lyrical ability. I think, And I think Yeezus was kind of like the eh, downfallish of him really putting an effort into his rhyming. I disagree with you. Okay. Because on tracks like I Am a God, on tracks like New Slaves That Follow. Yeah. Those two have decent rhymes. I mean, I'm not saying hurry up or Madame Croissants on I Am a God, but, well, it's still kind of funny, but. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily starting to, he always, he, he always had weird rhymes on every album. Or, yeah, or said the wrong thing, but I find that he kind of like let go of the, let me put the effort into my skill set. And put my focus more behind the music and the sound and how it's coming out. Okay. Uh, I Am a God was song three featuring God, which I still don't understand. New Slaves. You don't understand why that? No, I still don't understand. Well, he's God's beacon. He's like, he is like God. He, God features on the track as, because God, you didn't watch Kanye talk to Zayn Lowe about this? No, I think I'm fed so up of God, listening to his God, fucking stupidity. God is essentially using Kanye to deliver his message. Oh, okay. Specifically Kanye to deliver his okay. message. So okay. featuring God, I guess, this wouldn't be the first time in 2019 that, that God is using Kanye as his okay. voice. So he's always been... He's always been doing it. Okay, good, good thing. So New Slaves... Hold My Liquor, which I... Great track. To this day featuring... Justin Vernon. Yeah, and Chief Keef. Mm-hmm. Another odd... First it was Vernon and Ross, now Vernon and Keef. Yeah. This is probably top four on the album for me. Hold My Liquor. I'm In It. Great. Underrated track. Very good track. Great song. Blood on the Leaves. See, another favorite that I think is a great track, way better than Black Skinhead. But I still think there's other great songs on this album that don't get enough love. This, yeah, for sure. This song sounds amazing live. Amazing. Yeah, that I'll give it to. See, like, Guilt Trip to me. Next track. Yes. That's a hot track. Uh, Send It Up featuring King L from Chicago. Great song. Another great track. And Bound to. I like the 10-song structure. I love 10-song albums. But this was... This was a heavy intake at first as well, I found. This is the first time, you said this is the first time where Kanye decides he could do whatever he wants, and I agree with that, but this is also the first time where Kanye's albums, I said this on the 2010 episode of season one, that My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasies, to me, sounds more like a mistake than something that was thought out and put together properly because of how he put out certain songs before the album released. And then crammed them on the album. Yeah. My uh, monster specifically, so appalled. Talking about Yeezus now. This is the first time Kanye albums don't sound finished to me. Oh, you find it sounds about- like demos. It sounds like rough takes. It sounds last minute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but at the same time, I find that this was like he was working on this for a while. This was supposed to be So Help Me God, right? Or So Help Me God was after this. Ah, fuck. I don't know anymore. I'm 
I think this was supposed to be, so help me God. This was supposed to have all day. No. All, all day, day was after? All day was after. So, so help me God was after. All day was supposed to be on Life of Pablo. No, all day was supposed to be on So Help Me God. Well, yes, because it came out after Life of Pablo. You think after God helped him after all? Yeah, for sure. 100%. He's, he's, be- he's definitely in a better place. Sorry, we're mocking religion. but We're not mocking religion. We're just I'm going with what Kanye is telling us to do. So am I asking you the question? What do you want to ask me? Do you think this is the last great Kanye album? Um, great. Yes. Okay. Because Saw Me God was supposed to be in 2015, just clarifying that. And that was supposed to have all day. That never came up. But we did get artwork for it, and we never got artwork for Jesus. Yes, I think this was his great... Well, he, we did get artwork for Jesus, but then people were trying to leak it, so he said, fuck it, no art. Which was a bold move. Well done. Oh, yeah, it's true, because... Yeah. And I like the way he released I it. I loved it. No, but... I remember, I remember one person coming to the shop and picked up the CD and said, is this a joke? And I'm like... Well, you came to buy it. Like, you knew this. Like, you follow Kanye enough to know this is what you were going to get, no? He's like, no. I'm like, yeah, no, he was serious about that. About no art. They pulled a system of a down. He yeah, pulled a system of a down. But I think it's also great because... I find that when I listen to great albums, a lot of the time I will associate to the artwork. And I find it cool having this one album that I associate to a red sticker on the front. <laughs> yeah. Like, to me, it's like it's... It's a different association I have that I don't have with other albums. Is it the last great Kanye album? I think it's the last great Kanye album, yes. I think that Life of Pablo was a fantastic album. Um, fantastic would be better than great. I think Life of Pablo is a very good album. But it's also very lengthy. I like to know where my album starts and where it ends. A lot of it's still ambiguous in that we don't know what is what on the album. Is it still is is this his final version? Is he gonna go back and touch it again? How funny. He could. He touched the black skinhead drums years after it came out. For digital. So he could go back and change life Pablo. I hate that I can't own it physically. It's the only one I can't own physically. Uh, so Jesus is king, you can own it? Well, it's in your heart. We had a good call. Um the to me life of pablo and we're going to obviously talk about this album later so i don't want to get too much into it and tell you how i listen to it just yet but i think that jesus was his last great album yes because it's just an album it doesn't need to be you know it starts with onside it ends with bound two it doesn't need to be interpreted as anything else than that whereas on his later work he challenges you to hear it. I find a certain way how you like to hear it. And we'll talk about that when we discuss Pablo later. Because I, I do think there's a lot of things people don't do when listening to that album that I do. Which is weird. Maybe I'm... Well, I am weird. But... Well, this was definitely his last great tour. It was his... Oh, yeah. Last great tour, yeah. For sure. It was the last tour you could see him at. Yeah. Because now you don't see him. 
there's no fucking way you see him because for Life of Pablo tour, he was fucking above you on a stage that was flying through the air, mm. which was cool, but not for me no more. Well, you could see him at the Sunday service yeah. if you go, but... But you have to be far back in the mountains. But the... Li- the Is that Jesus, even a tour? No, but he's probably going to do something stupid with that. Definitely, I'm not paying money to go see this guy anymore. I'm being, I'm being honest. Uh, the Yeezus tour was super cool because of the mountain. And like, yeah. it was more of a like, you're going out, you're paying the hundred whatever dollars for it, and you're going to see an actual like, like m- show, movie. Like, it's like you're going to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a mountain, and there's like, I just towered over the fucking stadium. Yeah, and I found I found it was I, he did a, a runway. Re- this is when he was also starting to become like more of the fashion thing, and I'm gonna create this and stuff. You're dead wrong though about something. What? Because you could not see Kanye for a good part of the show. Oh yeah, because he was wearing the fucking the Ray Mysterio looking mask. Yeah, but it was cool. It was cool. It was not like like cool. this was his last great tour, and I'm happy I paid the money for it. And it was we were supposed fun. to get Kendrick on that tour too, and we didn't because no. it got rescheduled. We okay. Remember at the show, we mm. were, we had no idea if he was gonna have an opening, but we were sitting in the Bell Center, and it was just funeral music playing in the background for about an hour. It was like drone, drone like it was like weird, weird music. And then mm. finally the show started, and it was a good hour and a half. Yeah, maybe one hour and 45 minutes of it was great I have a tip for our listeners if uh, if you buy tickets to a show that gets cancelled and you have to rebuy your tickets at a later date it's okay to hold out and not buy the tickets right away because I think I paid $300 a ticket how much did you pay a ticket? 75, 100. And they bumped your ass down. Yep. Merci beaucoup. Look who's the clown now. You paid 300 bucks? I fucking Jesus splurged Christ. on that show. I splurged on him up until that date. Did he have merch for that tour? He did. I still have the top. I didn't buy... F- oh, they had no. one t-shirt only. Yeah. That, that tour had massive merch. Like he was getting blasted for Confederate flags. Yeah. Surprise, now he wears MAGA hats. But he had like crazy <laughs> like controversial merch that people were fucking eating up and still like like it's fine it doesn't matter and luckily at our, yeah now it matters but luckily at our show nothing was there was two, um, there was a hoodie and a t-shirt there was a t-shirt there was not a hoodie there was a t-shirt man people were at because when 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 this tour started people were going nuts for his merch it yeah, was yeah, selling started out the whole merch thing fucking yeah. people were buying everything and it was sold at a non-reasonable price yeah but even shops had it yeah but like was it not zoomies that had it in the states uh something something in the states had but i don't know if it was a fake no 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 it was real oh it was um fucking pack sun oh really yeah 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 they got the merch but man this was blowing over everywhere people wanted all the merch everything mm-hmm. people were going nuts because mm-hmm. he started to make the Here's a white shirt and I'm going to write something on it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fucking buy it mm-hmm. because I'm Kanye West. And this yeah. this is when all of this shit started. And that's why when he launches a fucking Christian album, sorry, when he launches a Christian, a religious 
album. Gospel. People eat it up. Guys. <laughs> Wake up. But anyways, this was huge. This this is what also started the second... Well, because Watch the Throne was the one of the first like big, big tours for yeah. hip-hop. But this took it to another level. Because of the goddamn mountains and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, actual show huge. behind it. Jesus was there, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there. There was the choir. There was a bunch of things happening. The mountain moved at one point. Mm-hmm. It was it was insane. So to answer the question, do I think it's his last great album? No, because I think Life of Pablo is his last great album. I enjoy Life of Pablo more than Jesus. Oh, okay. But we gotta save we gotta save convo on that yeah. though, that's so like I don't want to get into it, about. but Life of Pablo to me is better than Jesus. They are both great albums, but this is not his last great album. Could we agree that this was his last great rollout of an album? Yes, because yes, a hundred percent. He still wasn't a hundred percent on time. Because there were a yeah. few setbacks, but he promised an album. We got an album. Yeah. More on Pablo. In episode seven. Yeah. We're gonna move along. Let's move along. I Big. love the Kanye talk. Can yeah, we, yeah, we, we should do, definitely we do, do a season, season of ten yeah, yeah. episodes of Kanye. West. Like blasting and praising at the same time. Yep, that's what it happens. And by the way, why do you still have two yay copies there? I don't know. By the way, if you're ever want a couple of copies of Kanye West albums. Steven's probably giving away some because he has about 10 those. of I each got, album in his I got, I got, uh, CD graduation collection. Digipack. I got Graduation Jewel Case. I you got, promised me the Graduation Jewel Case. In when your... I go, I'll, bring, I'll give it to you. I got the Digital. I got the the Digipacks Deluxe. Beautiful Doctor's Fantasy. I got a Jewel Case from London of the Beautiful Doctor's Fantasy. I got two Yeezus copies. One with the red sticker. One with the orange sticker. The two Yeezus is an accident though. I didn't mean to buy two. Moving we along. Too much of this shit. <laughs> we buy too much shit. Um, and for those who did, for for yes, I do own copies of College Dropout and Late Registration, but only and 808s, but only one of each. And I have the VH1 Storytellers, which is a complete piece of shit, but it wouldn't be complete <laughs> without it. I kind of, I'm kind of upset that I own the VH1 Storytellers and I don't own a copy of Life of Pablo. Which who could will, I call about that? Which will, will never be released. Um, moving on moving on we're a Montreal brand very proud about that another big rollout in 2013 that happened right in front of our faces I kind of find that this was done quick no? well they always they it, it was quicker between albums for these guys than usual yeah um, it's not an album I'd put in the top I go back and forth to this album. It's not an album I'd put in the top 100 of the decade, but it was a great album. And the rollout for the album was done really particular. Um, this band rents a nightclub in downtown Montreal. Which one was it? Salsa Tech. Oh, it wasn't Copacabana? No, it was not. They invite fans to line up to be granted access to these parties in which they need to be dressed in formal attire suits uh, hmm. it's a fancy shit it's a fancy uh, thing 
wear suits, dress up, look good. First come, first serve, we let you in. Uh, when you get there, the band arrives with big paper mache heads. And when you get in, there's plenty of celebrities. Well, not plenty of celebrities, but like, and not really big celebrities either, but you got guys like Ben Stiller, Rain Wilson, Michael Sarah, uh, to name a few. We eventually find out this is Arcade Fire doing Reflector. Well, you found out by the time you went because you were you knew it was Arcade Fire, but this is the Arcade Fire Reflector rollout. This was while we were working too, huh? Yeah. While we were working physically at work. Yeah. Here across this. the street from this bar club. So yeah, right next to uh, like that Depanar and yeah, that, right in front. the bar and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I spotted Rain Wilson walking down once. What'd you say? I didn't say nothing. I I was working and he was walking down and a fan asked him to take a picture and he took a picture and he went in. Was it? Yeah, they they selfied it? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was an an early selfie. One of the first. So that's cool. So so you're telling me that people went in and saw all these actors and stuff there. And sorry, if I'm not mistaken, they were branding themselves as the reflectors, not as Arcade Fire doing this. You kind of got the idea it was them, but... That was the stick. And then. And then yeah, they did a couple of parties. They made a they made a short movie to the album to the to a couple of songs, uh, a live performance. I think they did. At the salsa tech. At salsa tech, because it was like four or five showings, I think. So different people could come in. Oh, they would wow. record a couple of songs. They'd have you dance and watch the songs, and then they did a video for. How'd you get tickets for this? How would you have to get tickets? You don't have to get tickets. You'd have to go line up. I didn't go to this. You had to go line up, and if you were there in time, you go. You got in. Wow! I think that's what they did. That's cool, but it would happen so fast. It did happen fast. So now it's between how much between albums? How many years? You saying today? Yeah, no, like between suburbs and reflector. Uh, three years. So I gave that. 2010, gave, 2013, four years. It gave them that big tour that they needed to do. Gave them all that Grammys. It gave them like that mm-hmm. a chunk to record. It wasn't yeah. like here's what the album the next year. Let me put out an album. That's cool because they they were able to really focus on this album because they had a big album to to top. Yeah, they didn't top it in my opinion. They did a good job. The single was fantastic. Reflector had a little David Bowie line in it that he sang. It was cool. David Bowie was on the album. No, he sang a line. Oh, that's cool. People lost their minds. Let's cool it. But uh, that's another big thing for a rollout for an album. The yeah, way they did it. it was a big deal. Yeah, and it, it was uh, it was a double album. It was. It was a double album. Two, two discs. It's two discs. It didn't need to be two albums. How they many? just broke it up in two because it. How many you songs to listen on to each? these songs and to, I think eight and eight or five, six, and it, it was a weird. What? Yeah, yeah, there weren't a lot on each. But they had long songs. Yeah. But either way, you could have made a one-disc package of it. I think the two-disc was just to do something cool with it. That's cool. Yeah. But again, if you're going to make five or six songs on each album, just make a full album and, and that's it. Uh, what did you think of the album? I really liked it at the time. As I said in the 2010 episode, I wasn't a fan necessarily of the suburbs when it came out. It's more with time that I grew to really like it. Um, 
at the time I thought it was better in the suburbs. Reflector? Yeah. Oh wow. But I I now quickly realize that okay, there's a lot of content I don't need to listen to off that album. Like th- th- there's a very I could select which songs are are much better than the fillers. Is this held at one of their best versus funeral versus suburbs versus that other one? What's critically, Neon Bible. Yeah. Crit- critically, it's ranked. It's hard to say because all their albums were really well received. But remember, when Funeral came out, it took off with a bang, right? Yeah. So Neon Bible, the second album was. I don't want to call it disappointing because I love it and fans love it, but it was like more of their. It didn't do anything new for them. Kind of, if you like the first album, you're going to like the second one, but the critics were kind of called it an average album. And the suburbs, they exploded again, bringing new fans, bringing all that. So, Reflector to the Suburbs. That's going to sound weird. Reflector was a better follow up to the Suburbs than Neon Bible was to Funeral. Okay. If that that's a that's a weird way to put it. Critically, the fans will say this. Aside from their latest album, everything now is their least good of the four good ones. Okay. But I could also see why somebody might say it's the best because at some point I found it better than the Suburbs, and I had it in my as my second favorite. People say this is the best. Some people might. It has good. It has really good stuff on it. Did they go? Were they nominated for anything? Were they on any big tours? They toured this album on their own. They did a uh, an arena tour for it. They again encouraged people to dress nice and come to the show. Great tour. And they ended it at home at uh, Parc Jean Drapeau. Oof! Outside shows are horrible. Yeah, but there was no no. There was no more noise besides that. Yeah, it died out and they disappeared again and that was it. Because they only have one album after this or two. One. Yeah, because like everything, like since Suburbs, the way I found what happened with Arcade Fire was, to me it looked like they were dying out. Okay. To me, the way mm-hmm. seeing it without listening to them and being a fan of them, I felt like it was dying out and people were just holding Suburbs to like the high standard because of everything they did so well with it and the Grammys yeah. and the tour and everything. And I remember it started off strong, but really quickly, and then just not hearing anything after that. But yeah, I could be once, wrong. No, because but they do disappear when when they go down, they go down. Like now they're they're done. like now we don't hear them. And they could still sell out. Bell Center. I wouldn't say that because the last tour, well, the last tour came off a bad album, did not sell out stadiums. Shit. So now it's, I, I think we're at the point now with Arcade Fire, like after this episode, they don't come up again. This is the, the next record would be make or break. Fuck yeah. Could they sure. come back again like they did with the suburbs after a lousy neon Bible rollout? Not a lousy album, but a lousy. Uh, commercially, it didn't do well. So the suburbs reflected it all right. Now they put out a bad album. The next one is uh, hit or miss. Could they rise to the occasion again? Yeah. But four strong albums. That's a pretty good discography. Out of five, yeah. And the fifth one is pretty 
bad, but has its moments regardless. The single was amazing. Everything now is a great I like single. The single. I remember texting Fantastic you. Fantastic yeah. single. But the rest of it is uh, not all good. But I think these guys are good with their rollouts. I liked what they do. That's It's different. It's, it doesn't happen. You need to. For a rock band, you need to. And I'm going to sound really bad when I say this, but being from Montreal, it's cool that people do something like this, yeah. but I think people need to do it. For sure. I think people need to do it because the way music comes out and the way people are just on to the next with things and the way they come out, man, it's just, it really sucks. So I find that when people do cool things like this, it makes it more interesting. It makes you want the content way more yeah, than... It builds a hype, man. You know what I mean? Like, there's none of that anymore, and I found it really cool. So props to them, even though I don't listen to them, but I know mm. the songs, and it just... You do have to look at it, though, and say, like, how many rock bands could do it? Not many. No. But usually a lot of bands come out with albums and then just die out after two, three albums. Very true. But the next person... Yeah, the next one didn't have a rollout at all. And kind of just fucking smashed you in the face with this. This was cool. <laughs> this was really cool. Did the album come out physically the same day? No, it did not. Okay. So we're talking but about... People wanted it. People wanted it. Fuck, remember that? Mm-hmm. We were working. Was we it looked stupid? People thought like these guys are dumb. They didn't they didn't prepare for this, but nobody prepared for it. No, them. nobody prepared for this. This was the man, This was the biggest surprise. The album biggest of surprise the album. Yeah. So we're talking about if you don't already know, not the locks, but Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. So it came out which day? It was very late in the year, December, I want to say in the last weeks of December. Yeah, and it came out, and the next day at work, people were just calling, storming in, storming in, in. the new Beyonce, blah, nothing. But she really shook up the internet, because people were buying this on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Was Spotify around? It was, but it... but. Even at that, I don't think she was on it because of the whole title thing. So title was around. It was always yeah, it was always very. Calm. I don't have a good timeline of when what came out for that, but she still struggles with Spotify. And she shook the internet like crazy because people were going December thirteenth, twenty thirteen. Yeah, people were going ape shit for this stuff. Yep, and that's when pe- and you know what was cool about that. Is that's when people were still buying music like yeah. crazy. It's like when you said when the suburbs came out in 2010, people were coming in for, for that, and this came out and people were showing up with yeah. nothing to give them. Mm-hmm. So people still cared. People still wanted that CD. Now people do a surprise thing. Oh, good! I'm gonna go press download on my Spotify or my right Apple now, yeah. Music. But this man was like, this was huge. And I liked, I liked it. Yeah, this is a fucking great album. This, this is was a... the best pop album of the decade. I'll say that ten times out. Where did they put it on the Consequence of Sounds list? They didn't put it. They, I, I think it was on the list. I didn't. Uh, I believe I saw it there, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't number one like Lemonade that I think, which is why I saved this for now. But Lemonade to me, though a great album. Uh, has a lot of filler and a lot of skipping and a lot of not timeless when you ask me. 
Did she have featurings on this album? She had Jay-Z on Drunken Love. She had Drake on a track called Mine. She had James Blake, somebody we spoke about breaking out in 2011 that gets into songwriting with... Uh, He's everywhere. Yeah. Sanfa was on this. Oh, really? Sanfa was on this. Man, 2013. This wasn't the first time he comes around in 2013. We'll talk about that in a bit. But um, this Beyonce album, man, when it came out, it was too late in the year that people had already started making their best of 2013 list. But going back and listening to the albums of 2013 for this episode, fuck. The songwriting, the production, it's it's a 10. This album's a 10. I mean that. Like this, the album is perfect. The dream wrote for her on this album, no? Yeah. And just to think that Beyonce was this thing of Destiny's Child. Crazy in Love came out, was massive. And then she had radio singles, but never really great albums. We could agree on that. Yeah, for Nothing sure. was really great. She puts out her fourth album, Beyonce 4, which was a fucking amazing soul R&B album, but not something that really pierces commercially, besides uh, the song with Girls, Who Run the World Girls. Mm-hmm. When this album comes out, this is the first time we're listening to Beyonce as a genius but we've already decided she was a genius all along if you look at it that way there was nothing before this no she sparked something with this but it's weird because people already were given in were invested in this big time but this is really the first time that this is that good. And and she she grabbed a lot of more fans too with this. She did, she did, that she did do. Like, I saw people coming in, male, female, whatever it was, just fucking going directly it's for this. Great, man. And it was really good. Did it win not anything? Something? Uh, I, don't, album? I don't know. I don't keep up with who wins at the Grammys. It's bullshit to me, but. But I don't think it got enough recognition later on. Well, when Lemonade came out, it's because it came out in the middle of a scandal with Jay-Z. So that got a bit more publicity. Really? This also being a surprise album was maybe the... But Lemonade, I think, was also somewhat surprising of a release. But I think that was just the thing. It kind of started... It it kicked her off into another... Into like a new fame, a rediscovered fame. And... I guess with time, yeah, the lemonade, the elevator, all that shit was more important than this fucking great body of work. pop album that just blows all pop out of the water. Body of work. Better than Justin Timberlake? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, that, that's interesting. And this was a visual album as well. Every song had a music video, so she kind of told it as a story. Uh, I, I think most of the themes had to do were, were very personal about her life and her experiences as of late. With her dad and something, something yeah, with her dad. Yeah, the, the kid and all this. It was very personal, I think, this album, and it was well. I think that's another good thing, though, is that everyone was able to, or, or someone was able to relate with at least something about the album. She got a lot of credit, though, for the visual part of it, for doing that. 
and we did forget that at the beginning of the decade, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was somewhat of a visual album. Yeah. So. That was a good, it was, it was something cool to see and never, never have been done to that level in music to do a surprise release. But there has been for sure before this surprise releases, like I mentioned the locks, but well, wait. the Radiohead ones we mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but not to this magnitude, hmm. if I could use that word. And at the same year where Jay-Z put out a mediocre album. Fucking, yes. There are some really good songs on Magna Carta, but it's a very mediocre album. Very. I think that covers 2013, does it? Yep. So, you know the drill. Top five, top five. Is it really top five, though, or it's five we didn't talk about? Five we didn't talk about, but because... I try not put the same ones we spoke about or we had in season one mm-hmm. yeah. in, in, in the top five, but it's albums to definitely check out in a brief two seconds about it. Go for it. I'm going first. So uh, on my top five of 2013, I am going to give you Ghostface Killer, 12 Reasons to Die, uh, a concept album. Uh, this was also reproduced by Apollo Brown because this one is by Adrian Young. And this was just Ghostface Killer in a different different mindset um, concept like I, like I spoke about. Uh, it, there's a whole background to it, a whole release of how each song goes with different covers to each song like he did a really good job like he stood he, away, he stood away from the wu-tang type of yeah no he did a hell sound of a good job with this and really did something differently and it goes to show you that ghostface can do different things mm-hmm. and the sound was amazing it was soulful it was eerie uh kind of a bit of a that those drums like he did a really good job is it one of my favorite ghostface kill albums definitely not but this it goes on to the the career of Ghostface that Ghostface is an elite hip hop artist and can make any type of sound, just like his R and B album that he did a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two on my list, uh, and probably one of my favorite rap album covers, uh, Action Bronson's Sab Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an EP because it's seven songs, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's an EP. F- fully produced by Harry Fraud. Uh, one of my favorite Action Bronson songs is on this, uh, The Rockers. Yeah. Dropkick Like Marnie Gennetti. <laughs> uh, this was just Action Bronson with Harry Fraud. Uh, just wordplay. Uh, just amazing sound. Stupidity. The whole fucking big body best. It was just, it was, is awesome. And we saw him live for the release of this. We saw him and Danny Brown for, uh, what was it, the tour with the Full Metal Jacket looking poster? I don't remember. I forget the name of the tour. If it didn't have a tour, but it was Bronson, Danny Brown. So uh, Yeah, this is uh, top three Action Bronson albums as well for me. So yeah, check definitely check it out. 
uh, I am going to go with Run the Jewels. Yep. Run the Jewels. So the the first Run the Jewels, uh, we've spoken about Run the Jewels many times. Season yeah. one, season two. We purposely left that out of this episode. We yeah. knew this is where we'd plug it in. But a incredible start to incredible run of three albums. Is it my favorite Run the Jewels album? No. But it's a fucking great one. Uh, the chemistry started with rap music and the featurings on each other's albums. But this kind of really kicked off like an amazing, an amazing feeling, an amazing sound that perfected throughout each one of their albums, if you agree with me. I agree with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to leave that one till the end. So I'm at three. Uh, Freddie Gibbs, ESGN. Uh, evil seeds grow naturally. You know, I've never heard that. Never? No, I've never heard that. So this is when Freddie Gibbs left CTE, Young Jeezy's record label, and just started to become way more violent in his music and way more like that hardcore, I'm going to wear a ski mask sound. And I just found that because he got away from that and he had Babyface Killer the year before, he just kept his his roots. He had Daz Dillinger on the album. He had he had a couple. That's, of... You know that's why I didn't. I never listened to it. Really? Was because Babyface Killer was that. It it. I didn't need more right away. No. I just went. I kept going to that. But don't forget, Babyface Killer was a mixtape. This was an album. Let's be real. Yeah. It's still the best body of work he's put out. For sure. And I mean better than the Madlib albums. Babyface Killer? Yes. Fuck, I'd kiss you right now for just saying that because I agree with you 110%. Uh, so yeah, Freddie Gibbs, ESGN. And last but not least, can we have drumroll for this one? Pusha T, My Name Is My Name. Fucking finally... He drops an album, not a mixtape, not an EP, uh, not a Fear of God 2. Not a featuring on Kanye. A album, and it holds up to me next level. You know how dick riding I am for Pusha T music, and this was amazing. Amazing. Uh, King Push starts off the album super well. Uh... It has some great songs, but the last song on the album, Snitch, featuring Pharrell. Mm -hmm. Amazing. It brought yeah. back to me that I'm having nightmares, clips style song with the, the humming and the Pharrell on the hook and stuff like that. And I just thought it was a great way to end the album, but the song with Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Just the Kendrick Lamar featuring and the type of song that it was that he had him featuring on just made the whole album to be a next level. It was a great album. It was a great album. Is it his best? No, but it's 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 it started off like a here's three albums from Pusha T. They're all great. Well, it's a perfect time to segue into my five because is it his best? No. But I think Drake 
nothing was the same, does not get enough love. At the time it did, but then the mixtape dropped. If you're reading this, it's too late. So people kind of forgot about this. And uh, if you go back to this, if you haven't in a little while, it might be better in the mixtape. It changes on a day-to-day basis. I have no shame in my love for Take Care, but this and the mixtape go back and forth as second best for me. Here's what I'm going to say about this album, and I've listened to it. Out of all the Drake albums I've sat through and listened to, Mm -hmm. where I've heard over speakers at work or wherever the hell we were, the beats he chose for this album were great. Mm. I found that they were the best beats he's chosen for an album. This was to, yeah. This was to me yeah, more. Yeah, I know the beats are really uh, more hip hop. More like he was playing around with songs. The pound cake. Mm-hmm. I was gonna I was gonna do the tracklist real fast for okay, this one go. because Tuscan Leather is is the opener to the album and probably the best Drake rapping ever. Did he write it or not? Boat. Furthest thing. Uh, more of the, the, the singing Drake. Still a bit of raps in there, but another great track. Started from the bottom. It's obnoxious, but it's a hit. Wu-Tang Forever. This was the first time Drake listened to Wu-Tang, it seems. This album <laughs> is full of Wu-Tang references. Um, was it? It was full of Wu-Tang references. Talking about listening to Capadonna. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he got a lot On of On Worst Behavior, he's going to hit you with the ODB. It was it was like it was really like he he fucking first like thirty six chambers was introduced to him in the studio recording this album. That fucking jersey he's wearing in the studio, that Wu Tang jersey. So, but you know what? He got love from the guys. Yes, he did. So he goes. Uh, Ins- they, they except inspect the deck at first, but whatever. Yeah, make a fucking difference. Wu Tang Forever, own it, great track. Worst behavior, which is just like a fucking anthem for like. You didn't love me then, now you do. Uh, skipping forward, hold on, we're going home. One of the best pop songs of the decade, man. Easy. That song Easy. we used to hear all the time. Fantastic track. And as you go forward, uh, the language through five to my city and the big closer, pound cake. Featuring Jay-Z. That beat is just phenomenal. Here is a fun fact. Mm. Raekwon came up with a freestyle on that beat. Yeah. And I remember when we heard the album, I told you, this sounds like a Ghostface Raekwon song. The beat. Mm. That they would flow and be amazing on it. And then Raekwon wanted to put out a freestyle over it. And I have it in my iPod. It's a great track to close out at the time. Uh, well, still now, I guess. Drake and Jay-Z always have this kind of friendly beef. That seems to that seems to be more of Drake's doing. Jay-Z they send doesn't shots really have at time for that shit. But. <laughs> um, I skipped over a track called Too Much featuring Sanfa, who was also on the Beyonce album, but Sanfa, one of the best vocalists, in my opinion, of the last decade. So, yeah. Big uh, bonus track to All Me featuring Big Sean. And two chains. Never heard it. So I spent a lot of time on that. I'm gonna go forward with the next album. Completely another fucking world, if you ask me. 
My Bloody Valentine are back after 22 years. You know the 91 album, Loveless. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their comeback album, MBV. Same old recipe. I remember, good when, album. I remember that album. It's very good. Aged pretty well. I mean, their sound aged well, and it sounds like they did 22 years ago, so it's good. The National Trouble Will Find Me. This is the second national album on... That I talk about yeah. in my fives, yeah. High Violet is still my favorite album. A lot of people think this one is. My wife thinks this one is. But I think High Violet is still better than Trouble Find Me. But Trouble Find Me was that kind of... I don't want to call it push into a mainstream, but they had more... They were a bit more popular by now. Songs like I Need My Girl were used on TV or like... They, they got a bit more visibility with this. My number one of 2013... Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City. Great album. Uh, it's the perfect trilogy. It's a perfect closer to a trilogy that would consist of Vampire Weekend, Contra, and now Modern Vampires of the City, the last album they had with songwriter Rostam. They never needed to make more music. If you ask me, this is where Vampire Weekend could have ended, and it would have ended gloriously. This was the best way they could have walked away from this band. Of course, they continued this year in 2019. They did a good job at putting out a fourth album but it's new members new band this is the best vampire weekend album it's it's not toppable another perfect album from 2013 they put out that's how many albums in three years four years that they put out yeah well they the, the first three records came out within the span i think of 20 2008 to 2013 that's good and that's three Great albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. Each and every one of them. Fantastic albums. Really, honestly, a perfect trilogy of albums. That's really how the albums are. And some people say the first album is good. Is their their best? Or their second best after this? I think it got better. One, two, and three. Contra being the second best. And the last album on my list is Guitar Rock at its Finest, Kurt Vile. Waking on a pretty waking on a pretty days. Just rock and roll, man. Never heard it. Was that the blue and yellow cover? That's the one. Fucking good with covers, huh? You're right. I remember it. But Kurt Vile had a really that was a really good rock album. If you like guitar music. It 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 was a big year for hip hop and a big year for music, which is cool that all we do our top five where we could get to. Not spend so much time on these albums, but just let you know these are five great albums. Go check them out. Yeah. So uh, that's I like I like finishing off like that. Uh, do you have anything else to say? Kurt Vile is also a member of a band that comes up next week, the twenty fourteen episode. Oh yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, but probably gonna have to wait and see. Uh. Just want to give a shout out to uh, one of my old employees who worked with me. Uh, Ugo came out with an album, uh, an EP. Uh, UG locked up Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Uh, big shout out to him because I know when we started 
the podcast. Uh, he came and see me at the store and would give me props and was really happy for what I was doing. And he would always tell me, go listen. I'm going to be dropping off some stuff. And he came through with it and he worked really hard. So just a big shout out. And if you want to go check out his music, uh, Montreal Hip Hop, uh, UG, uh, Locked Up, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Thank you for the support. Thank you. I think we're done. Yeah, we're done. Till next week.